You're listening to The Marketing Funnel Show, episode number 62. Do you want to make a bigger impact and get your message out to more people this year? Well, today I've got a podcasting expert on to talk about how to quickly and easily get started as a podcast guest. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Marketing Funnel Show. I'm your host, Michelle Evans, and this is the podcast for coaches, experts, and online business owners to learn how to go from simply surviving to sold out using the power of marketing funnels. All right, let's jump into today's show. Hey there, I'm really excited about the podcast today because I've got Matt Johnson, the CEO of Pursuing Results on to talk about something near and dear to my heart being a podcast guest. So let me first tell you a little bit about Matt. So Matt Johnson is a marketer, an entrepreneur, a musician, and a podcast host and expert. I gotta tell you, this guy's doing it all. As a founder of Pursuing Results, his company, a podcast PR and production agency based in San Diego, Matt runs a worldwide virtual team helping business coaches and agencies break in and dominate new markets through podcasting. Matt currently hosts and co-hosts niche or niche, however you say that, business shows such as the UX Podcast and Real Estate Uncensored. He also speaks to experts and entrepreneurs about how to turn a rock star business into a UX machine. As a featured podcast guest, he speaks to audiences around the US, Canada, and Australia. So now I got to tell you, if you've been in my audience for any length of time, you've probably heard me, you know, drop little hints here and there, or just flat out talk about being a guest on a podcast as a way to warm people up and attract the right audience into your marketing funnel. And here's the deal. I love being a guest. Talking to me is way easier than trying to write a blog or do a video or anything like that. And I've been a guest on more than 60 podcasts at this point. In fact, it might be over 70. It's a fun, really, really fantastic way to meet people and a great way to attract clients, students, and business connections. But I didn't always feel that way. And for a really long time, I struggled with how to get on podcasts consistently. That's why I invited Matt here today. He's going to help you understand the ins and outs of getting started as a guest. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview now. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining me today. Michelle, it's a pleasure. Now, you know this because we've talked about it, but I love podcasting and I love being a guest on a podcast. And I know that this is completely your jam. So can you just give us a quick rundown of what your business is all about? Yeah, so I have a done-for-you podcasting production service. So we work with... Uh, six and seven figure business coaches and consultants and agency owners and basically produce their podcast for them. So I, it was modeled after what I built for myself, which is I built the whole team for myself so I could show up to my own podcast and not have to do anything but just show up and have an awesome conversation and let the rest of it happen behind the scenes. So I started letting people rent my team and then that turned into an agency. So it was one of those classic stories of scratch your own itch. Nice. And through that, I know part of the service that you offer is 
you book guests for your clients, right? Yeah, we book their guests on their podcast, right? So we host, we, we basically, our clients host the show. We go out and we find two high-level influencers in their space and book them on the show. So we book in that sense. I also built a system for, to pitch me on podcasts and learned a lot through that process. And we've learned a lot by just kind of introducing, like making a lot of strategic introductions and pitches for myself and clients and putting them on other shows that my friends run or pitching them cold to other shows. Uh, so we do a lot in that world. We don't offer like outbound pitching as a service. I created a training for that because we don't offer that. Um, but yeah, we've done a lot of, a lot of stuff behind the scenes and, and learned what works and what doesn't work. Yes. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, because I love being a guest on a podcast as a way to bring people into my marketing funnel. Yes. And I know you and I talked a lot about this on your podcast, which if people haven't listened to it, you want to give it a quick plug? I would love to. It's called, yeah. the, U it's called the UX podcast, like you to the power of X. It's all about how to build um, a, essentially turn a business where you're doing all of the, you know, time, effort, and energy. It's all based on you and pouring yourself into systems and people so that you have a business that runs like a machine. So that's at subscribe on iTunes.com. Perfect. Yeah. And, and I could not be more in line with what you talk about on there because I think having a system like a marketing funnel as your sales system, having a system to get your word out there with podcasts or whatever, such a great way to do it. But today we're going to talk about being a guest on a podcast because you and I both have been a guest on a lot of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, we've pitched a lot, uh, and we've gotten pitches. So yes. we've been on both sides of the spectrum. We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, but you are the expert here. So I am super excited because one of the things that people always ask me is, okay, first of all, how do you get started? Second of all, like, what should I think about when I'm a guest? Mm -hmm. How do I actually make this work for my business? So we're going to jump into all of that. Sound yes. good? Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a blast. And we'll try <laughs> to keep it somewhere under three and a half hours. Yes. <laughs> we're going to take all of the goodness in your head and dump it into your whatever, 30 minutes right. or so. <laughs> um, okay. So, you know, just as a, as a quick warm up, what are... What, how, what would you tell somebody to do if they wanted to get started with pitching themselves for the first time? Well, I would tell them to probably start small. It's probably the best advice for someone that's just starting out is don't worry about the bigger podcast of the world because not, not only will they come in time, but the more smaller podcasts you do in the meantime, the better that you'll get. And so when you get the bigger opportunity, you'll actually be able to leverage and maximize it. So if you sometimes if you get those big opportunities too soon, you just don't have your funnel in place. It's not optimized, and maybe you're not optimized. The, the way that you talk about your offer, the way that you present, and the way that you fascinate and polarize, which we'll talk about later, it just maybe isn't as sharp as it could be. So it's actually really good to start out with smaller podcasts. The great thing about them is that the average podcast, no matter how small, still gets a couple hundred downloads. More likely, if it's in a business niche, it could get 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 downloads per episode. That could be the dominant podcast in that niche that all the movers and shakers listen to. I know because I produce some of them. And the cool thing about that is you can go really in-depth. You can really open up and share. And it gives you the chance to really refine what you're saying and how you're saying it. And there's a low barrier to entry. They're always looking for great guests. These are, you know, those smaller hyper niche shows are always looking for great people. In fact, if you look at like, I was just looking at this the other day, there's half a million podcasts out there. Half of those 
are six months old or less. Mm. They are not booked out till kingdom come. How crazy is that, right? Half a million podcasts, half of all podcasts that are out there are six months old or less. So you'd be surprised. Like there's, there's never a shortage of shows to go on. Just start small and start pitching. Mm, I love that idea. And, and I mean, you've been on the receiving end of pitches. I've been on the receiving end of pitches, some that are really great and some that are need a little more work. So yeah. uh, I know that you have some resources for that, but I'd love to just start off with what have you seen people doing wrong when they try to reach out and pitch aside from like reaching too high? Yeah. Aside from reaching too high, <clears throat> clearly and obviously not listening to the show at all before pitching. So that's a big one. So I run a show called Real Estate Uncensored. It was actually the first show I started and it's, it has a very specific niche, right? I get people all the time pitching me investors and investor coaches. We don't talk about investing. One glance, literally one glance at the show on iTunes or on our website. You don't even have to listen to an episode but you know instantly this is not a podcast that has anything to do with real estate investing. It's for agents. So I have people that pitch me that literally I can look at that and go, okay, you didn't, not only did you not listen to the show, you didn't even take more than five seconds look at the show. So now I'm in a unique position where I produce a couple of podcasts in the investing space. So I shift them over and I give them grace and say, okay, clearly they didn't or their assistant or whoever is pitching them didn't take five minutes to research me at all, but they still might be a good guest. And what's great about that is, look, if you're, if you're pitching yourself, take a couple minutes. You don't have to listen to a bunch of episodes, but listen, listen to one or part of one, enough to at least know who the audience is, know enough about the host to know kind of what, what's in it for them. Are they selling something? What are they selling and why? Who are they selling it to? So that way you can tailor your approach a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, the thing that you can get right that can wipe out all the stuff that you might do wrong is just to get the big idea right. Just pitch them on something that's compelling and fascinating and a little bit unique. That covers up a multitude of sins. Let's, let's put it that way. Okay, so let's switch into that because I know it's an area that you're really passionate about. And, and really, it can make the difference between a boring interview and one that people are like, I need to listen to this again or share it or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about how to... First of all, how do you help your clients hone in on their big idea so that they can really? Yeah, because it's really all the same thing. So like when I take on a new client and we help produce their podcast, it's the exact same process, right? It's, it's figuring out what their signature message is because mm -hmm. the same thing that I want to hang their podcast around is the same thing that they'll end up pitching themselves on other podcasts to talk about. So one of the questions I love to ask is, look, if you were given an opportunity today to step on a TED stage, TEDx talk, what would it be on? And most people are probably what, like- A lot of times that forces you to do, yeah, exactly. Like, what can I say in three minutes? Um, and one of the questions that I heard that related to like how to put your TED talk together is just cut out everything that's not surprising. So when, when you ask yourself those two questions, what would I talk about on a TEDx stage? And what's the most surprising thing that I can say? That pretty quickly narrows down all the other stuff and kind of cuts it down to the stuff that makes you different and unique. There's a lot of things that all of us could potentially talk about because we're all an expert in our field, but what do we really have to say that contradicts or runs counter to what other experts in our field would say? 
what would other experts in our field be surprised to find out that we think, right? So thinking about it in those terms, like what's surprising about what we have to say, I think will help kind of uncover that big idea. And if we can uncover, let's say two or three of those, two or three surprising things that we have to talk about, um, then usually for any podcast, we can find a mix, you know, a match between one of our big ideas that we want to talk about and the big idea of their show and who they're trying to reach and just find a good fit. That's what we're looking for. And, and I just have a question for you because I know we talked about this a bit on your podcast, but I would love to know your take. Do you feel like people have to be sort of that um, contrarian or take sort of a polarizing opinion in order to be an effective guest or a guest that really stands out? Well, it definitely helps. Now, I will say this. You don't have to be the rebel, the outlaw. You don't have to be the James Dean of your industry to pull that off. You know what I'm saying? So there, there's, if you fit that archetype, believe me, lean into it. Go, go buy a leather jacket and a motorcycle. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you don't have to be that person, but you do have to have something unique to say that stands out. And one of the fastest ways to do that is to say, something that's different from what everyone else in your market is saying. Now, ideally, you already know that what that is, because that's kind of what you should hang your expertise around. You should have some unique process. You should have a unique way or a signature way of doing things that is different from everybody else in your market, because otherwise, you're just doing the same thing as everybody else. Now, it may take a while to develop that, and maybe you don't feel like you've quite honed in on it yet, and that's okay. The funny thing about doing podcast interviews is you'll start to actually clarify that in the doing, even if you haven't quite figured it out yet, or you have an inkling of what it is, but you don't know how to articulate it, the more podcast interviews that you do, you'll find little phrases, little things that you say that the host will go, oh man, I never thought about it that way. And you're like, hmm, I should write that down. I'll probably say that again. And you'll start to find those little things. I'm going through that process right now, the more interviews that I do, because I've been on the, on the interviewer side for a million years, I f it feels like. I've done thousands of interviews. Uh, now that I, the tables have turned, I'm going through that and figuring that out. That Yeah, I have a lot of things that I could say, but there's only certain things that resonate with people. And the more interviews you do, the faster you find what those things are, because those are the things that you want to lean into and talk more about. And okay, I want to talk about this a bit because I love that because I'm not the rebel type, but I definitely stand against certain things. Um, and so I talk about that, you know, like, for example, it's a marketing funnel is not just about shoving your offers down people's throats, right? So I talk about that a lot. And it's different from what other people talk about. Um, but I would never put myself in the rebel category that doesn't fit who I am. Um, but I, but I agree that you have to have a stance that you take that's based in your expertise. And so when you start to clarify that, and when you start to lean into, okay, this is my stance, this is what I'm for, this is what I'm against. Um, how do you sort of, um, make it have legs, if that makes sense to you, so that you can take it further than just that comment. Well, so the first thing, like it, it helps to give it legs by starting with the frustration first and putting your unique spin on the frustration, right? So for example, you talk about your point of view with marketing funnels, right? Marketing funnels are not about just shoving your product and benefit message in front of people until they like give up the will to live and they buy, they buy right. your stuff. They throw their wallet at you and run, yeah, they, right? Yeah, exactly. They throw, I, first of all, I would love for people to do that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a specific point of view on that. 
And so what you can do is like if you were going on podcast interviews and let's say you didn't have that quite figured out, but you knew, so you knew kind of how you felt about it. You knew the problem. The problem is we feel like our sales funnels are just shoving our, our offer in people's faces, mm-hmm. right? So you, you can always start there with kind of the frustration and give your take on the frustration. And the more that you talk about the frustration that you're passionate about solving, the, the more that you'll move closer and closer to that level of clarity and not just clarity for yourself, but clarity in how you explain it. Now, the cool thing is that what's going on in the audience's head, when you're explaining the frustration that they're having, but you're explaining it in a way that nobody else has, what happens is they go, oh, this person understands. Mm-hmm. They understand me and they understand the problem. I've never thought about the problem that way. That's interesting. I've never thought about that frustration in that way. Well, this person must have figured something out that I don't know. Like it's just psychologically, it sets you up as the person that must have the solution because you just explained the problem differently or better than anybody else has. And so uh, that to me is the, the best way to kind of give it legs is start with the frustration. The more you talk about it, then you'll start to clarify. And then people in, the, in their mind will naturally assume you're the person who has created the solution to that. And they'll start to reach out to you, even if you don't quite have your, let's say you don't have your service option quite figured out yet, or you're selling your time and you're doing a lot of different things. As long as you're describing the frustration correctly, you'll have people reaching out off the podcast saying, how, what do you sell? How can I buy for, what can I, what can I, you know, throw money at you? Because it sounds like you understand this better than I've heard other people relate. That is so true. And that's the warm up piece. That's what makes a marketing funnel work so well is when you do the warm up right, all the rest of your funnel can actually be pretty simple, pretty like low key if you do that warm up right. And like you said, Matt, you don't even have to explain the 18 steps you do to figure this out. Yeah. You just have to meet them at that problem in a way that really resonates. Yeah, in fact, I would go a step further and say explaining the 18 steps of how you solve the problem might actually be counterproductive because if there's, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I mean, maybe if you're doing a complete, like like I sell a done-for-you service. But even with that, it still requires some effort on that. Like my clients still have to at least show up. Like I haven't figured out a way to record their podcast where they're just in Barbados sitting on the beach. Uh, Until that happens, uh, when they can record it with their avatars and I can fill in what they say with artificial intelligence, I I haven't figured that out yet. So no matter how done for you your service is, like you're still asking something from them. And so it might actually be better to not get into the steps of the unique way of how you solve the problem, it's better maybe to just articulate the problem differently and better and let them come to you and say, what's the solution? Yeah, I agree. Or if you really feel like if you're on a podcast and somebody's pushing you for, um, (laughs) keep it at a high level, right? You don't have to get into the nitty gritty weeds of everything that you do. No, in fact, like you you asked me the question, like to talk about the business and, and I've had to go through that where I kept refining and refining and refining how I describe the podcast business down to the point where I can just say exactly what I said up front, like in our, in our conversation. So I didn't give you a two minute overview. I gave you a, what was that? 15, 20 seconds as far as like what the service actually did. Uh, It just takes a while. It takes some practice to get it down to that, but that is what the audience wants. They don't want five minutes of explanation of what you do. They want the 15 second overview. Now let's talk about me again. They want to talk about their frustration. They want to get back to talking about them. Yeah. Get back to telling me how I can be a great guest on the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) 
It's true. Okay. So, so with that, I would love, you know, we talked about some mistakes, shooting too high, you know, getting too nitty gritty, that kind of stuff. What are some, um, what are some things that you've seen people do that really help them stand out aside from being a rebel? (laughs) (laughs) Aside from that. Well, first of all, just being themselves and coming with great energy right? Uh, so we've, we've had lots of coaches on our shows and, and, and people will reach out to them for consultations afterwards because they just loved their personality because they weren't afraid to let their personality shine, even though they were dealing with a podcast host who often has a strong personality of their own. So don't be the shrinking violet that lets the host carry everything. In fact, I can tell you from experience, the podcast host would probably not like to have to carry everything. They want you to show up at, and, and just own your space be confident in who you are and what you sell and just kind of own your expertise. Like don't, don't devalue yourself. Don't, don't defer to the podcast host on everything. Just show up and be energetic and be yourself. Um, and people will naturally reach out that kind of resonate with your personality. So don't be a shrinking violet, show up with good energy, just be yourself, be relaxed, be confident, uh, and just kind of own your space. So I know that's, it's, it's one of those things where I get it. It's, it's sometimes it's hard advice to take, right? Because like, oh, just show up to that cocktail party. Just be, just be yourself. Just, you know, just be yourself. But it really is true. I mean, at some point, you have to just kind of be confident in who you are and uh, be relaxed in what you're talking about. And the, the podcast host and the audience will feed off of that. I so agree with that. And, you know, I've had hosts who they really don't want to talk at all. They want to ask a question. Like they have five or six yeah. questions they want to ask. And they want you to carry the whole rest of it. And so for me, how that works best is to, is to have some stories that really illustrate mm-hmm. the points that I want to people to take away. Um, and I would love to know from you, is that how you approach it or is there something else that you do as well? Uh, so stories don't always come naturally to me. That's actually something I'm working on, on becoming a better podcast guest is coming with more stories to illustrate the points that I'll be making. Uh, it takes some effort for me. I, they don't come naturally. If you're a storyteller by nature, you're miles ahead of me and you're, you're probably uh, even better. I've had some great ones on my podcast, uh, podcasts over the years and so that I, I'm working on it, right? Because I get into that space where I, I like to talk about ideas and concepts a little bit too much, and I don't share stories enough. And what we're, what I'm learning about sales, and, and really any type of persuasion when you're trying to get people to come over to your point of view, is stories work a lot better, like creating a narrative for people. So I've been studying that quite a bit. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. So one of my clients, Dana Malstaff, boss mom. Um, is phenomenal at this, right? So, so if you listen to her on a podcast, most of her responses to questions are, are stories, stories yeah. from her past, stories from clients and things like that. So, uh, and, and I, I do incorporate this, like if somebody asks me what results I get from my podcast clients, I'll give them a story. Like I have those like locked and loaded in the chamber, uh, just from repetition, just from doing consultations for my own business. And you start to realize, oh, wait a minute, that story was way more persuasive than if I tried to give them a bunch of stats and facts about podcasting. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's a process of just getting out there and getting interviewed, noticing the questions that they're asking and then going, you know, instead of what I said on that last one, how could I answer that with a story instead? Right. And so the next time I'm on a podcast interview and you ask me that question, I'll have a story for you. Oh, I love it. No, well, and just bringing those stories in. And just like you, storytelling does not come naturally to me. Yeah. 
So for yeah, me, I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah, no, not at all. For me, I sat down and I was like, okay, what are the points that I want to make? And mm. do I have customer examples? Do I have student examples? Do I have examples from my own business that I can bring to this that can illustrate it? And so just like you, after repetition and using mm. them a lot, now they come a lot more naturally, but yeah. it's not something because naturally I'm kind of, I'm pretty private. Like I don't just go out there and be like, Hey, here's what's going on. Yes. But I know that to connect with people, I have to be more open. And so it's something that I've really pushed myself for as well. Yeah. Well, actually let's, I want to hit on that for a, just a quick second, because I see this a lot. And I don't know if you would consider yourself an introvert. Uh, I definitely consider myself an extroverted introvert, like a, someone who's learned how to be extroverted when I need to be. Uh, and first of all, this is the greatest time in the history on earth to, to be an entrepreneur who is also an introvert. Podcasts are amazing, and I can't speak highly of them enough if you're on the introverted side. I mean, pod, you know, like the subject of what we're talking about is like podcasting being kind of the new networking. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Like this is, this is the new networking for anybody, and if you're an introvert, even better. Um, what introverts need to realize is we are naturally very well equipped to be better listeners and podcast hosts love to to have a guest on their show that doesn't just override them that doesn't plow through them that actually builds rapport that actually listens to what they're saying the question and answers the question it doesn't just go on with their talking points that they hadn't had in mind to share it's one of my pet peeves on the hosting side is i hate showing up with someone that has so much of their own agenda that when I ask them a question, they basically reroute it and they're right back on track with their own talking points. That drives me nuts. And so introverts, that, that doesn't really come naturally to us. We, we want to listen. We want to engage. We want to draw the other person in conversation. So to me, an introvert has a natural advantage in being a podcast guest. You don't have to be the guy who walks into the room and talks loud and jingles change in your pocket. You know, like the, the <laughs> you don't have to be that guy. on the stage or yes. whatever, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be Mr. Extrovert to be successful on podcast interviews. If anything, I think it caters a little bit more to the introvert. As long as you bring good energy and you're comfortable in your own skin, yeah, I think it favors the introvert. Mm, I agree. And I, just like you, I, I'm kind of right on the line. Like I can be mm. extroverted, but my preference is to be more introverted for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So fun, fun stuff. So podcasting is the new networking. You want to talk about that for a little? Yeah, let's do it. Because actually, that's a really good stance. And I fully agree. I mean, you're here because we connected for your podcast, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's, I see that happening more and more. And I, I think as, uh, as experts, we wildly underestimate, like we, we seem to think when we look at other people, um, well, the big names in our industry, we kind of get the idea that somehow they, they sprang out of existence kind of on their own and built their empires off, off in a corner over here. And then all of a sudden it's, ooh, bam, it's, it's Gary Vee or bam, it's Amy Porterfield. Um, when you actually get to know some of those people, you realize that a lot of times they were part of a group and they all have a network of other influencers who kind of pull them up and they support each other and they support each other's launches. And like, we know some of this going back to like Jeff Walker's product launch stuff. Like the best way to launch a product is to get 25 other influencers to also support your product launch. And then you do that for them in return. Well, what you realize is that in order to build a business, even quote an online business that there is no such thing. It's like, it's still a service business. It's still a people business. And a lot of what determines our success is how good we are at building relationships with other people. And podcasts to me are the best way to meet 
other influencers. They want to connect with other influential people. And, and podcasting a lot of times is how they do it. So for me, like I don't, I don't get on a plane and fly to a bunch of events. In fact, I don't go to an event unless I'm invited to speak. I'm <laughs> um, with you. I yep. hate events. Yeah, if you tell me to go into an event and connect with a potential client, I'm like, uh, no, no. Like I can, I can, can, I can literally have every single one of those speakers on my podcast if I want. So these days, like if, if I wanted to go to an event, I would do that. I, I, would I would look at the speaker list. I would target who I want to have a meeting with. I would invite them onto a podcast or I'd pitch myself onto theirs. And that way we meet before I ever show up to the event. And probably I'd have a meeting set up, at a chance to meet them or a specific time and place to get together with them at an event. So it's not even the event isn't the thing. It was the podcasting that was the thing. That's what actually introduced us. And to me, it's a lot easier to have a 20 minute conversation where you really build rapport with someone on a podcast one-on-one -on -one than catching them for five minutes after they get done speaking at an event. They're not going to remember you. No, I a hundred percent agree. And you know, I've spoken at a number of events mm -hmm. and when you come off the stage, you're still sort of in that mode and yeah, you can shake hands and say hi to people, but I, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm not fully present. <clears throat> Excuse mm -hmm. me. I'm still like, trying to trying to get out of the on stage mode and back into oh totally whew, okay yeah yeah exactly and, and it's and it's the wrong context too right you're coming up to the mat at an event it automatically puts you in the realm of kind of being a fan mm -hmm. and um one of my clients said something really great on a training the other day she said if you present yourself as a fan you'll prevent yourself from being a friend oh i love that isn't that interesting Yes. Yeah. So yeah. being on a podcast as a guest, it automatically puts you in kind of a different situation because that influencer, the podcast host is showing up, they're having you on their show. So what do they do? They start off the same way our conversation started off with you saying very nice things about me. So it just it immediately puts it into a completely different context. And then we get to have this amazing, real free flowing conversation we can we can see each other we can make eye contact we can see each other's body language like all that stuff that builds real human relationships we're doing over a podcast like i you and i connected way more by doing a, a couple of podcasts together than if you and i met after you spoke in an event and even if we talked for 10 minutes we have more of a bond doing this than if i would have met you in person physically and shook your hand at an event which is crazy it's true, and I and I often wonder if it's because of the value. Like when I invite you here, you're giving value. You're giving value to me. You're giving value to our listeners. You're you're giving without asking anything in return. So my defenses aren't up. So I feel like it's easier to show up and and connect easier. Whereas like at an event, for example, you're sort of always waiting for somebody to pitch you something right <laughs> and it's like or i don't know about you but i am where it's like, i, I want to be friendly but not so friendly that you're like hey we need to do this business together and then i'm like oh now we have to have that conversation right yeah that's no fun <laughs> <laughs> but there is something really yeah. about showing up and delivering value before you ever ask for anything mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's huge to me. I mean, that's the way, the way that real relationships are are built, and podcasting makes that a lot easier, and you can do a lot of it a lot faster, right? So you can have you know four or five conversations on a podcast or an interview, 
in a week or something like that where you couldn't have those types of conversations at a two or three day event. I mean, you're lucky to have any in-depth conversations with people in the hallways in between sessions. And so I just think, yeah, it's, um, I, I don't get on a plane anymore and fly all over the place to events. That, that's, that's how my mentor built his agency that I used to work for you know, flying all over the place, going to events, buying people bottle service, you know, just like essentially bribing them for time with them to try to sell them a service. And what's funny is that he looked up years ago, saw me podcasting and said, you know, I think we can use podcasting to break into some new industries. So I ended up running like four different podcasts for him in four different industries. It introduced him to the hundred top influencers in those spaces in, in three months. He could have, he, he and his VP, it would have taken them two years of flying all over God's creation to meet those hundred people. And the relationships they built wouldn't have been any better than them doing the podcast for a few months. Mm -hmm. It was, it was crazy how effective, even to me, that was already podcasting at that point. It was crazy how effective it was. And for anybody that's like selling your own expertise, your own creativity, like you're selling your time and your brain and, and the problems that you solve. I think we way underestimate just how important it is to get referrals from other influencers and be seen out there with other influencers saying good things about us because here's the dirty little secret. People can't tell how good we actually are at what we do, right? So you don't really know how good my team is at podcast production. I can talk a good game, but maybe we suck. Now we don't, but what you're really looking for, like if, if I was selling to you, one of the first things you'd be looking for is who else is working with them yeah. and who else is saying good things about them? What are their testimonials like? What about the other influencers in our space? Do they know Matt? Do they say good things about Matt and his team or whatever the case is? Like who's, who's been on his podcast where I can ask them, what was the guest experience like? Mm-hmm. So I think we, we underestimate just how much of that fear and risk is going through the minds of the people that we're selling to because they just don't know how good we are at what we do. If they were as good as we were, they'd probably do it themselves. They wouldn't need to hire us. So they're going into it blind. Like they're going into it trying to figure out how good is this person really at what they do? Yeah, and what, what should I be looking for? <laughs> what mm-hmm. don't I know that I should mm-hmm. know? Like all these things, right? Yeah, yeah. lots and lots of fear. Yes, yeah. And even, even if it's not that expensive of a service, uh, you know, even if it's yeah. just- Nobody likes to look stupid. Nobody yeah, likes exactly. to look dumb, you know? Yeah, they could, they could buy a low-priced- product or something like that and then start to use it. And yeah, I mean, the, so the fear of kind of the embarrassment or just the fear of regretting a decision mm-hmm. that can kick in even with a, a free plus shipping book offer. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I agree. I agree. And so that's what's going through people's heads for yeah. sure. And mm-hmm. so when you show up as a guest and you, you know, have your polarizing um, opinions and you talk about stuff and you give out great value it's a way for people to kind of get in your mind and, and um, I don't know, get your energy, understand what you're about before they even have to give you their name or email address, right? It's a safe way for them to yeah. get to know you. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that's radically changed over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years of, of there being all this content available is now the latest research says that about 60% of the buying decision happens before they ever reach out to somebody 
Mm. Uh, and that's definitely true if we're like a solo service provider where they have to reach out to us, they're raising their hand, they have to talk to us, the person they actually hire. Like that's, that's even more of like an ask. Um, so they're, they may have already made more of the decision than we realize. And so they're going out there, they're looking on podcasts, they're looking on our website, they're asking around to their friends and Facebook groups. Uh, you know, they're doing all their due diligence before we even ever know who they are a lot of times. Maybe if we're lucky, they're in our email list and we can be communicating with them directly with our content, we hope. <laughs> you know, we hope to God that's the case. And so, yeah, we need to realize that the, the more good things that other people have to say about us, the better. The easiest way to get that is through podcast interviews, right? That's the day and age that we live in. The more content that we create, the more point of view we put out there, the better. And, and just a, a quick aside on the point of view, um, people need to believe certain things in order to hire us. Mm -hmm. They have to agree with how we see the frustration. They have to agree with our solution to the problem. They have to agree with the way that we want to add value to their life. Like they have to agree. They have to believe some of the same things that we do. I don't know of any other way to deliver a message through marketing right now where people spend as much time with us as a podcast where the listeners are actually listening to, uh, I think it's 80% of people listen to most or all of the podcast episodes that they start. These are not Facebook lives where they're watching three seconds of us and Facebook goes, Oh, that's a view. You know, I mean, they're, they're spending a lot of time with us on podcasts. And the thing is, is that it, we need to realize that people have to spend that time because beliefs and agreement just, they don't just magically come out of thin air. People don't just show up on our doorstep and go, you know, I never thought of the problem that way. You're right. I, I'm going to change everything I believe about what hasn't been working for me so far. I'm going to hand you a check and you're going to make everything awesome and bright and shiny. Like it, it takes, sometimes it takes a little bit for them to get that belief system and come to agree with us about the problem and about our solution and podcasts allow them to spend that time with us that they need to change their beliefs over time. Yeah, I agree. In and, and they're memorable in a way that a lot of other mediums aren't. Mm -hmm. I know I did an interview, I think like two and a half years ago, mm -hmm. and it's buried in this person's podcast feed because they do podcasts every single week and have for years. And I still get people who reach out to me from it and they're like, I heard this, I heard this podcast for the, from this person. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about what you said. I've listened to it a few times and I really am ready to move forward. And I'm like, that's work that I did, you know, a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> and it's still paying off, but it's because of, you know, when somebody puts their earbuds in and they listen to a podcast it's an intimate experience. And when it's a good conversation that you're having with the podcast host and you're showing up and you're being real and, you know, telling stories or whatever, giving value, people, you can get into their, their heart a lot faster than if you write a blog post a day for years and years and years on end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just, a, it's a different, it's a different medium. It's very, very, it's a very personal uh, it's like, it's like nothing else. Uh, you would think that video with it being richer is better. And maybe that's true, but people don't stick around. They don't, yeah. because a video is a big ask. A video is asking for somebody's full undivided attention. So if, yeah, if you can get somebody to watch 45 minute video instead of a 45 minute audio, you think that'd be better that maybe that's true, but you can't strap them in and hold their eyelids open. <laughs> like people want to be, people listen to podcasts because they're doing something else 
while they're listening to you. Uh, but you're getting to spend that time with them because you're not asking for their full undivided attention, right? That's a big ask. And so podcasting is just, it's a really interesting medium. I'm a big believer in video podcasts and things like that. And, and they're, they have their place, but there is something about just plugging in and people listening to you while they're at the gym or in the car. It just creates this whole other relationship. A great example for me is I've, I've been a big fan of a particular podcast. Uh, Adam Carolla's came out in like 2010. I think I've been listening since the year his podcast came out. I wouldn't be in podcasting today if it wasn't for his show. And when he released his first book, it was all the same content I'd already heard on the podcast. But guess what? I went and bought it anyway, just as a thank you, essentially, for him putting out free content for all that time. And because that I have a one way relationship with somebody that doesn't even know who I am, but I handed him my hard earned cash because there's a relationship. And that's the kind of relationship we can develop with people by going on a podcast as a guest. Yeah, I, I agree so much. Okay. So you had to figure out a process to pitch, yeah. to teach your team how to pitch. And I know that you have some good tips and a good offer that you can give to my listeners. Um, so I'd love to just turn it over to you now about that. Cause I'm sure people are saying enough already. I want to be a guest. How do I make this happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is that it's, uh, it's not worth your time as the expert. You probably make enough to where you can hire somebody, some virtual assistant, an intern, uh, a, a personal assistant, somebody could be doing all the pitching for you so that you can just show up and have the conversations, which is what I had to do for myself. And so I built a little system. So if you go to pitchassistantroadmap.com, you can actually get like the high level overview of how do you hire somebody or how do you take someone that's already on your team and how do you have them pitching you instead? And it shows you I've got, not only is it just the PDF that has the roadmap, but also has an audio walkthrough where I break down exactly how to do that. So that can get you started. Uh, if you want to skip all that as far as training them yourself on how to pitch you, I, I put together the whole training system for myself and my team. And that just came out. Uh, we did a, a online training for it earlier this week. So if you actually want to just skip it and get the training done for you where we train your assistant and they get four weekly calls with my team, me, my, myself and my key people, uh, that's it podcastpitchassistant.com where you can actually just buy the training for the, your assistant and send them through. And uh, they only need a couple of things from you to get started. It's essentially just plug and play. You plug your assistant in and out the other side, four weeks later, you're getting pitched uh, and you probably have interviews already showing up on your calendar. That's fantastic. And how much is that if people want to go check it out? It is four ninety seven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So really reasonable to have yeah. somebody ready to go and pitching you for sure. Yeah, it took me, and I'm really good at building systems because we build them all the time for the podcast production side of things. It still took me 25 hours approximately to like document how I wanted myself pitched and train my person who is already experienced in guest booking on how to do it. So taking someone from scratch, if you've never built the systems before, might take you twice as long. It, yeah, it's just not, it's just not worth it. Just pay to have the training done for you and move on to other things where you already make three or four or 500 bucks an hour. Keep on doing that and just throw an hour of that time into buying the course and just save yourself all that, all that head. Cause it is a big headache. Um, even if you know how to pitch yourself already, if you know how to write pitch emails, training somebody else to do it is a whole other animal. Uh, believe me, it's a, it's a lot. It's so true. I, I mean, I've hired VAs, I've hired companies who do this and mm -hmm. they do it in various, and, and I've tried to do it myself. Yeah. When I try to do it myself, Matt, 
<laughs> okay, first of all, it goes to the bottom of the list all the time. Yes, yes. Because it's way easier to work on the thing that I'm more excited about. <laughs> <laughs> and then number, so it's so like long periods of time will go by where I haven't pitched myself. And then number two, um, I am so caught up in the pitch and making it right that it takes me way longer than I ever should to just pitch myself. And it's yeah. much easier to pitch somebody else than yes. it is to pitch your own self because you're not stuck in your own story. Yes. Well, and you feel, you feel like you're like, oh man, like this is another, this is another influence. Like this is someone I'd like to actually be friends with maybe. Like I got to listen to like seven of their episodes. I got to write the best pitch email that's ever been because you know what I'm saying? It's just when you're pitching yourself, there is that there is that psychological part where it just takes you seven times as long as it should to get it done because of all the personal it's all the psychological stuff yeah uh, we're both smiling because we both know yes. like it's just oh, yeah. the truth no before i created this i said i'm like oh this is easy i'm gonna just one podcast a day i can i i mean i'm a i'm a podcast host how can how hard can this be research them on itunes i know how to get their contact information i know how to reach out i'll just do one a day it'll be awesome once i did it once <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I had a similar thing. I'm like, I could do five a week easy. So mm -hmm. easy. I'll just set aside 30 minutes each morning. It yep. never happened. No, nope, never like, happened. <laughs> really? Because it's easy. It's to so not funny do that it. we did the exact same thing with the exact metrics. I had it and I had it scheduled in my calendar, and I'm a calendar Nazi. It mm -hmm. still didn't get done. Yeah, 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 I'm there with you. Okay, so two people who love doing podcasts, two people who love doing guesting, we still <laughs> need somebody else to help with that pitch, yes. right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> could, could not have said that better. So I know we spent a lot of time today talking about podcast guesting, but I know you also have this part of your business that's about helping people get podcasts set up. So we talked about where they can get the information to train their VA to do this pitch for them. But mm -hmm. if they said, you know what, Matt, I would love to know how I can get my own podcast started without having to worry about all the tech stuff. Where would they go to see you on that? Yeah, so that's my, the actual production company is called Pursuing Results. So the website's pursuingresults.com. You can check out the actual production done for you service. We've got about five uh, client slots left for the full on done for you service. And um, yeah, and then from there, you can book a, a consultation right from the website if you wanna chat more and kind of brainstorm through a podcast idea to see what's right and, uh, and then to learn a little bit more about the service. Yeah, and I know, because I took a look at your site, you have some great influencers on there who are talking about the service that you provide. So, all right, well, and we'll link to all of these links that you threw out here in today's show notes. So if you're on the go, listening to us in the car or at the gym or whatever, just go to your podcast app and you can just get the show notes there and I'll have all the links in there. Awesome. So Matt, any last thoughts you wanted to leave us with today before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah, I think there's some people on the in the listening audience that think, you know, I'm not ready to hire someone. Um, look, I started with a $5 an hour uh, VA in the Philippines. It was one of the best learning experiences ever. Mm -hmm. I had never really supervised anyone at that point. I had an assistant at my previous company, but of course, I didn't have to hire her. I didn't have to take personal responsibility for her necessarily. Um, it was one of the best leadership and personal development exercises ever was just to hire someone part-time and start trying to hand off things to them and train them on how to do it. Uh, it's, it's accepted. It is just one of the best learning experiences. I can't recommend it enough. Start now, because if you really want to have an impact on the world, 
you just, you can't do it alone. Like everybody needs a supporting team behind them. Gary Vee is a great example, right? So we see Gary Vaynerchuk all over social media, but it's not him, right? He's got 18 people on his content team. That's who's doing the actual work. So you don't see Gary Vee's message every day because he spends 24 hours a day on social media. You see his message everywhere because he has a team behind him that helps support him and put the content out there. And we all need a version of that. We've got to have other people. We've got to pour ourselves into other people, uh, into building a team around us that can support us on our mission to impact the world. Mm, I could not say that better. And that's, you know, starting off with a $5 an hour VA is a great way because it's low risk as well. You exactly. Know? Everybody has five bucks they can throw at an hour or whatever. All right. I want to say thank you so much for being on today. And again, I'll link to everything that you threw out there, but this is such great information for people who want a way to get their, to connect with their audience, to get their audience into their marketing funnel and to really start spreading their impact and their knowledge around. I agree. Thanks so much, Michelle. I appreciate it. All right. As you were listening to this interview, I hope that you had a few ahas and I hope that you committed to get yourself out there, to get your story out there, to get your business out there, to just get started and telling your story. I mean, hello, there's 500,000 podcasts available. I think you could probably find one or two to get on, right? And I also hope that as you were listening to this interview, you thought of somebody else who also has a desire to get their message out there, to be known, to get in front of more audiences, and who could benefit from being a podcast guest. If so, would you do both of us a really big favor and share this episode with them? It's easy to do from whatever podcatcher you're listening to, if it's, you know, Apple Podcasts, if it's Google Play, you know, whatever. Or you can just share the URL for today's show, which you can find at themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 62. And your friend can listen right there on their computer. And Matt shared a bunch of great resources today as well during our interview. Those are all available at today's show notes, which you can find at themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 62, and they'll be hyperlinked right there. So you can look right in your podcatcher app, or you can go to themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 62. All right. I hope you had an amazing week and I'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place for another great episode of the Marketing Funnel Show. See you then.